it's a privilege and honor for me to be able to share this morning. And, um, you know, our theme this year is a king and a cause. And Pastor Jack said at the beginning of the year when he was introducing this theme, he said this. He said, may the culture of the kingdom increase in me and the culture and the current culture decrease. And I so much want the culture of the kingdom. I want Jesus to increase in me. And one of the things that Jesus has really been speaking to me about and really pointing things out in my own heart. And I just pray this morning, as I share the word this morning, let the Holy Spirit just examine your own heart. Let him examine. He's been examining my heart. And I I want to look at this morning how Jesus viewed the power behind money, wealth, and possessions and the really profound implications it has on us as faithful followers of him. And, you know, we've probably all heard all these statistics, and sometimes they get thrown around a little bit, but I'll read a few of them out. Um, More than 2,300 Bible verses on money, wealth, and possessions. Jesus spoke about money roughly 15% of his preaching. 11 out of 40 parables had something to do with money and possessions and the way in which we handle them. It was his most talked about topic. One out of seven verses in the parables mentioned money. And in the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. And the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Now look, I acknowledge that Often, and in some circumstances, that Jesus actually uses money as a metaphor to teach some bigger theological teachings and doctrines. But it really is staggering how much attention that Jesus gave to this idea of what we do and how, not just what we do with, but our heart attitude towards money, wealth and possessions, as did the Apostle Paul, as did other writers in the New Testament and and actually the whole Bible. So, you know what, we have to really take it seriously Um, What was Jesus talking about when he spent the time he did challenging people about their attitudes, our attitudes, their mindsets, our mindsets, and their heart, our heart, when it related to the issues of money, wealth, and possession? So I want us to listen for a moment and just listen to what some of the things that Jesus said. Just a sample of the things that he said. In Matthew 6.19, he said, do not, lay up tre- your, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He said in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In Luke chapter 12, verse 33 to 34, he said, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said this to them. He said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In Luke 
chapter 21, verse 1 to 4. Jesus looked up and he saw, he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow putting two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live in. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said, as he's talking to the rich young ruler, he said, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And in Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, this is just a tiny sample of all the ways that Jesus approached the issue with different audiences, with different, in different settings, with different purposes. But clearly, we see some themes and we can, uh, um, as we hear his words and when we read Jesus' words on money. And when we look at the New Testament teaching on money and possessions, actually the whole Bible when we see it, there's some themes that come out, some real kingdom themes, some real themes from our king. And I just want to share a few of them. Firstly, there really is a spiritual power behind money because of what it promises. What it promises. The world tells us that our money and possession can give us things. They can allow us to have things. There's this spiritual dimension of this that we really need to recognize. What are some of those things? Well, first of, well, first couple is power and control. When you have significant financial wealth, you have a lot of power and control over your life. Power and control are real huge allurements in this world. Because you know what? We like to control things. We like to have power we like to have power rather than people exercising their power over us. There's the spiritual dimension of money really promises that to us. The other thing it does, it offers security. If you've got enough money, wealth, possessions, you can be secure. Remember Jesus' parable of the rich fool in Luke 12, 16 to 21. It was about a man who was about to tear down his barn. He had to tear down his barn to build bigger ones, to have enough room to store everything he had. Enough, he had enough for years to come. With all his barns full, he decided to take it easy, eating, drinking, and be happy. And, but God said to him in Luke chapter 12, verse 20 to 21, he said, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Even though he seemed to have everything, to have it all, he really had nothing. Promises power. Money promises control. Money promises security. And also money promises happiness and contentment. And it's certainly prevalent today. If you have enough money, you can go on holiday. You can do the things you want. You can live where you want to live. You can, own, you can call your own shots in this world. Power, control, security, contentment, happiness. This is sort of the, the promises that money, the worldly promises that money can have for us. They're temptations that are underneath the wrong use of money. And there are a lot of what Jesus 
talked about. So, you know, as I go through these, just examine your own heart and your own mind. I, 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 you know, God's really spoken to me some, some areas in my own life. The other thing is, is money is dangerous when it asks for our allegiance. There really is an idolatry behind money that calls to us, if we're not careful, with how we're to take care of it and how we use it. There's a lure. There's a lure to money. And Jesus saw it, and he knew it, and the apostles saw it, Apostle Paul saw it, and he knew it, and they both said to be careful and watch for this dimension of money and asks us, because it can ask us for it, our allegiance. This comes into our life in the following ways. You know, sometimes money and possessions and, 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 and wealth can become the focus of our time. We can become fixated at looking at money. We can become fixated looking at our budgets, interest rates, stock markets, all the things that go on there and worry about what's happening. We can can be consumed with the financial parts of our life beyond what it just means to be a good, faithful steward of what God's given and entrusted to us. The other thing that, that that when money gets our allegiance, it can be the driver of our whole career. It can be, we can be driven to pour so much time and effort into our jobs and our businesses, but the question is, at what cost? And also, when it comes to money and wealth and possessions getting our allegiance, it can be the source. Now hear this, money can be the source of both our peace and our fear. And finally, you know, it can be both. When we've had enough of it, our heart, when we've got enough of money, our heart is at peace. I've got enough money put away. I'm secure. I'm in good shape. My heart is at peace because of my money. Or if I don't, interest rates are going up, the market, market's going down, I lose my job, all these kind of things happen, it can become my source of fear. When money becomes the primary source of either our peace in life or our fear, it's gotten our allegiance. It's gotten our loyalty. We've taken Jesus off the throne. <laughs> He's no longer our king. Is our trust and our faithfulness totally in him? Or has our allegiance gone to our money and our wealth and our possessions and things that we own? It's a question. Allow Holy Spirit just to speak to us. That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what Paul talks about when he says, be careful about how we relate to money and possessions. Thirdly, another thing that we see in these in, in, in Jesus' teachings is the enemy uses money to lure us toward an ownership heart. The Bible says that God owns everything. Everything's his. It's all his. It's God's money. It's all his. But it can easily become ours in our heart. The enemy can begin to pull us into this ownership heart where all of a sudden we act around our money and things we own in our possessions as if it's really ours. And it's so easy to slip into this. And we often justify our own ownership attitude by saying things like, I've worked hard for it. I've saved for it. I watch out for it. I invest it. I take care of it. It's really mine to do with what I want. That's an ownership tendency. And it's the enemy's way of leading us down this different path. 
and very difficult path. And then it takes us back to the first point that there's a spiritual power with and behind money. And the enemy uses it to pull us in places that we don't want to go. We don't want to go. So what are these teachings of Jesus? There's power. There's a spiritual power behind money because of what it promises. Power. We're in control. We have security. We have happiness and contentment. It's dangerous when it, when, when, when it becomes our allegiance and it becomes the focus of our time or the driver of our career or it be, can become the source of both our peace or our fear. And, the other, and finally, it's the enemy uses money to lure us towards an ownership heart. It can become now it's all ours. We can justify our ownership attitude very, very easily. But I want to say, when I think about creation, I think about in the beginning, I look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and God created the heavens and the earth and God plants a garden in Eden where, where he puts Adam and Eve. And you see in Eden that God, everything belongs to God. He created it, he made it, he owns it. Love what it says in Psalm 24.1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And we, and we get this sort of picture that our role is a steward. God's designed for the proper use of things that he gives us, our money and possessions and things. We were made to manage what God owns. It's good steward. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden and Eden to work it and to take care of it. In Eden we get this sense that everything that God gives us, including wealth, possessions and resources, it's all good. It's actually all good. It's there to be used as God would have us to use it. And, and there was also this sense of abundance, trust. There was a joyful work and freedom. You know, we see in, in Eden there was an abundance. There was enough. There was no need. They had more than enough. And they trusted God. I mean, I, I don't think they even thought about trusting God. Their work was joyful and there was freedom. They weren't heavy and burdened down because it was all him and it was a, and a blessing from him to them. But you know what? The challenge, of course, is that we then come over to Genesis chapter 3 and the enemy comes along and he simply says, did God really say? Can you trust God? Is he really going to provide? God's not telling you the whole thing. And there's this, becomes this, desire within man that, that that we want to become like God we want to be in control and he said because if you really do take the, the enemy says because if you really do take this tree you'll be like God you'll be able to know right from wrong you'll be able to call the shots instead of everything under his lordship suddenly you get a chance to control your life and then what happens then is that we get this heart that we own it all and it's the enemy's counterfeit view to God's plan and purpose that we will be stewards of his provision and blessing in our lives. Our role changes from stewards of what God's of what is God's to owners of what to owners of what we believe is actually ours. This is where the enemy interjects this interjects this counterfeit view of money, possessions and wealth where there are no longer a blessing from God to be used by faithful stewards of God seeking to be obedient to his purposes, it becomes, I earned it, 
I have it. It's under my control and I will do how I feel best to do with it. Where there was abundance, where there was trust, where there was joyful work and freedom, suddenly now there's scarcity, fear, anxiety and bondage. If I own and control it all, all of a sudden I don't have enough. I need more. Have you ever thought that? This brings fear. And our work can become anxiety-driven because I have to earn enough to pay our bills and give and save for retirement, all those things. And in the end, it becomes bondage rather than freedom. And you know what? The enemy wants us there. And we have to fight against it. We have to come against it. We are called to steward and manage God's resources for his purposes. We need to be content as Paul was content with what he had, whether it was little or much, he was content and he knew that whatever he had, he was able to do what with God's plan and purposes in his life. Does the way we're going about doing things reflect more a sense of protecting our little kingdom than it does managing God's provision for his kingdom? We're all on a discipleship journey. We're all on this journey of becoming more deeply committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you on this journey? This journey from this worldview or this mindset or this heart of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. And the journey is, is as we focus on his sovereignty and his sovereignty, his sovereign. He's God Almighty. And we put our faith and trust in him. And we realize that instead of being in this world where we have this, we've got to protect and this scarcity mindset, we begin to realize that, hang on, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't, things in, in his kingdom, things aren't like that. And whether, whatever God's got us to do, he will provide everything we need to do what he's got. And we're on this journey from fear to trust. And on that journey from fear to trust is we focus on God's provision. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's provider. And the real question for us on this journey from fear to trust is how big is our God? How big is he? Is the circumstance, the situation we're in, bigger in our world than God is? How big is he? But we're on this journey from fear to trust. We're on this journey from being wrapped up in this anxiety-driven work to a faithfulness-driven work. From anxiety-driven to faithfulness-driven. And that journey involves focusing on God's priorities. And we're on this journey from bondage to freedom. And the key is to focus on surrender. Who sits on our throne? He is. If we're going to go from bondage to freedom, we need to be fully surrendered and know who is on our throne. God wants us to manage our possessions, our money, from the standpoint of a holy, surrendered steward whose primary goal is faithfulness. Stewarding what is God's with a heart of faithfulness. And when we do that, it's freedom. When we realize that it's all God's 
and we have been a faith, been faithful, and we've been obedient to His plan and purpose. Where am I personally on this journey? Where are you on this journey? And I want to wrap it up by just a couple of thoughts, a couple of questions actually, that we can ask ourselves. How do we handle our finances, the possessions, the thing that's God's entrusted to us? What's our heart? What's our attitude? What's, what's Holy Spirit speaking to us? What's he putting his finger on where, where sometimes we can just go about, but sometimes we need our heart examined by him. Actually, we always do. Number one, is our heart the heart of an owner or a steward? Do we have an ownership mindset? Or a stewardship mindset? Is, do we have an attitude of it's my money? Is an ownership, which is an ownership mindset? When we operate our, out of fear, it's an ownership mindset. Everything is God's. So what's our heart? Ownership or steward? Secondly, what's our heart? What's our worldview? What's our, what do we think when it comes to scarcity or abundance? Do we believe there is just enough? Are we stuck in that place where it's always about what we don't have? Are we stuck in that place where it's always about what we don't have? We believe God will provide for all of our needs. So what God has provided is enough for what God has called us to. Are we being a good steward with what we have been given right now? Scarcity or abundance? Thirdly, self-reliance or trust. Do we believe it's all up to me? Or do we live with a sense of trust that God will provide? Careful planning or faith walking. This is a challenge, but it's a good tension. We need to hear both sides. We need to wrestle from both sides of this. We need to be good stewards. We need to careful planning and budgeting when it comes to finances. We need to count the cost when it comes to if we're buying a house, all that sort of stuff. We need to be good stewards. But we're also people of faith that trust God. And we make good decisions from the context of that tension between careful planning and wisdom and faith walking. We're people of faith. We're on a faith journey. And it's faith that pleases God. And finally, is, the source, is, is money the source of our security or careful stewarding? Is money the source of our security or are we just practicing careful stewardship? We just need to be careful. You know, Joseph, Joseph was a great example of good stewardship. He stored away grain for many years for families, for the famine that was to come. However, we can make... We can sometimes make our reserves become the source of our security instead of God. And the real question is, when we look at Jesus and the words and his teaching, which so much of it when it comes to money, wealth and possessions, the real question is, where's our heart? Is it with our king? And the question is, what's he putting his finger on? Because... I found, I found that in now later stages, God's put in different, putting different things and challenging my heart, different things that w- at the stage of life that I'm at now, he's going, hang on, check your heart right now. There was once a day when I was 
a lot younger, and me and Sonia took a step of faith and came on staff here as a church, left a corporate job, and, and, and our salary dropped down to about 40% of what it was, and we took this massive step of faith, and we're totally uncomfortable. And we did that then with two young kids and mortgage and everything. But right now, how comfortable are you getting at this stage of life? Where are your heart? We're like, what's really in your heart? And God just, I don't know, for all of us, we're different seasons, different stages, different whatever. But what's God and what's Holy Spirit challenging you right now? I just want to pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. We know all the stats. We know everything. We, we know you spoke so much about this, but it's such a, a lure. The enemy wants it to lure us away from you and your heart. And I pray that we would be a church. We would be um, a people, Father, that would manage and use money, possessions. We would have the right heart, the right attitude when it comes to money, possessions and wealth and all these things, Lord, that you would examine our heart, challenge us and help us never to slip, slip, <laughs> slip away, be lured away just in the subtleties of our heart away from being a steward that's called to manage what you've entrusted of us in this short space of time we have on this earth, Father God, to, to, to advance your kingdom, to, to announce King of kings, the Lord of lords, to declare the, the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, help us, Father. Help us, Lord, to never allow our heart to be lured away from you. Let our allegiance be with you always and you alone, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.